It's time for the VolQuest podcast, where we dissect the biggest news items of the week. Good Tuesday, everybody, and welcome into the VolQuest podcast. Eric Kane with Awesome Price, Rob Lewis, and Brent Hubbs. Big shout out to Smoky Mountain Organics, three locations right here in East Tennessee, including one in Knoxville. It's at 8018 Kingston Pike across the street from the Traders Joe. You can buy online or search the website, shop online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. Uh, welcome into it, guys. A reminder, always follow us on the YouTube page. Just search VolQuest. Every video we have, as soon as it's up there, you will get notified. Follow, subscribe us on the YouTube page by searching VolQuest on YouTube. Uh, gentlemen, we'll go ahead and start with the big announcements, uh, wide receiver announcement that went away from the Vols yesterday as Cornell Tate announces his commitment to Ohio State. That was about uh, 1 o'clock on Monday afternoon. Austin, Tennessee positioned themselves very well. We're very, very much in it, but it's a guy, as you pointed out, that has liked Ohio State from the get-go, and uh, that's where he elected to take his talents. Well, yeah, no doubt. And, um, you know, I mean, I think Carnell Hubbard always wanted, you know, always fancied Ohio State, Lo- had a really good relationship, no matter all the nonsense subtweeting. I don't – I wouldn't surprise me at all if that was all planned, um, you know, with, with Brian Hartline. Um you know, I think for anything, I think, it, you know, if the NIL money got uh, more competitive at Ohio State, then, you know, it was going to be Buckeyes all the way. And I think that that's a big reason why, you know, there was a shift in momentum there is Ohio State up the ante. And, you know, again, I don't think a kid picks a school solely based off of NIL. At least, at least 80% of them don't. I think that his best relationships were in Columbus. And they were competitive enough to land him. Yeah, I think that's what we've talked about with NIL for a while. That you know, and and why I disagreed with Lane Kiffin with the idea that uh, every kid's just going to chase the money. In some cases, if the money's greatly different, Austin and Rob, you're going to see guys chase money. Okay, I mean, if it's if there's a couple hundred thousand dollars difference, you know, then then I, I think NIL becomes a different factor like that. But when the money gets when the money gets pretty much equal or, or you know, close to the same yep. stratosphere or, or in the ballpark with each other, it's going to come down to the relationship. And you look at the ten- recruitment of, of Carnell Tate, I think Kelsey Pope did a good job keeping Tennessee in it. Remember when Cody Burns left, everybody said Tennessee was out of the Carnell Tate race. It was That's over, right. uh, because he had the best relationship with Cody Burns and, you know, compared him to, you know, Cody was in it like Heartline was in it. I think Kelsey Pope did a good job keeping Tennessee in it. I think Carnell liked Kelsey Pope, but I think you're right. At the end of the day, he was always going to, if he could go to Ohio State, if the money was that, you know, equivalent or close to it, he was going to go to the Buckeyes, and that's what he did. Well, and I think the biggest thing, too, and, and I continue to reiterate this for Tennessee fans, like, you know, there was so much bravado out there early on because some quotes and stuff. Like, Tennessee's not got unlimited money. Like, you know, uh, you know Tennessee – I think was ahead of the curve in NIL. I think what you've seen in the last few months is a lot of other schools have caught up, you know, because they've got things figured out and are all rowing in the same direction. And so thus, you know, the advantage that Tennessee maybe had four or five months ago is not necessarily there anymore uh, in, in, in certain instances. So, you know, t- Tennessee fans just need to understand that, like, this isn't a, oh, what, about, what, what about Spire? Why couldn't we have Spire? You know, I mean – they just don't. Again, it's not Scrooge McDuck jumping in the, the gold on Ducktales. It's just not. I mean, why not? You know, well, I don't know why not. Um, 
you know, but at the end of the day, like, you know, you still, you got to win enough of these battles hubs. Like the problem is, is like, who can fault this kid? Like, and this, I had this conversation with a guy on Twitter, private, private conversation. I said, you think that Tennessee, do you think that prospects look at Tennessee as a historical program? Kids don't look at Tennessee that way. They don't look at, they don't even look at Ohio state's history. They don't know that they don't, they don't know who Archie Griffin is. And then, I mean, they probably don't even have them, don't even know who Eddie George is. Like they look at what's been in their recent rearview mirror and they see guys that have gotten drafted in the first round. They've seen teams that have played in the playoff. You know, I mean, like the, most prospects aren't researching, you know, the historical significance of X program. Like that's just not how it works. And so, you know, I, you know, I, I just think that, Tennessee's got to find a way. I, I, to me, this football season is paramount. You found a way to kind of climb out last year and at least get your head above water um, or above the hole you were in. You, you, you've got to find a way. Now, I'm not saying you're going to win 10 or 11 games, but to me, Tennessee needs to find a way to at worst be eight and four, if not nine and three, to continue an upward arc. They need to be in a Florida bowl game. They need something that kids can see and they can sell. Now, AP, I say it all the time. I mean, none of these kids Tennessee recruiting right now were alive when Peyton Manning wore Tennessee jersey. They were two years old the last time Tennessee played in Atlanta for an SEC championship in 2007. It's, I mean, what you're saying about, you know, do they see Tennessee as, as a historically revel, relevant program? It's, they, they don't. They haven't been. I mean, not for their lifetimes. Well, and, and like a lot of them, they'll talk about like, you know, Stanton Ramil was talking about it Sunday about, you know, getting Tennessee back to where they used to be. The only reason they knew that Tennessee used to be there is because they were they, they, they were they were told that on their visit. <laughs> Most of them don't understand maybe any of that. Or maybe their dad was an SEC football fan. Yeah, I mean, like somebody said on the board the other day, like, you know, we're not that long ago from wide receiver you. What? Yeah, you are. What? Yes, you are. What? Like Tennessee's not been wide receiver you in so many years. Like, I mean – they weren't wide receiver. You when they had Meacham Swain and, and Brett Smith, they just weren't like, I mean, like they had good wide receivers, but I mean, like the days of Tim McGee and Alvin Harper and Carl Pickens and some of those players in the early late eighties, early nineties, even mid nineties with, you know, you know, Joey Kent and Marcus Nash and those guys. I mean, that's a long, long time ago and, and a long, long time ago. And Hubbard, Hubbard, you're, you're, you're the best historical reference. If you think it ended with Dante Stallworth, is that as far as you can stretch it? 2001, um, he had to give up the, the wide receiver U card after 2001. Yeah, I mean, you look. I mean, when when Cut came, when Cutcliffe came back, I mean, he turned Meacham into a really good player. Uh, but but that was a one off because Cutcliffe's stay the second go round wasn't very long. Um, you know, from from that standpoint. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that that run of guys was you know, yeah, maybe maybe Dante Dante Kelly Washington that was. That was kind of wide receiver you there in, in 01 when you had those two. But yeah, I mean, that was, but that still wasn't the same as, you know, and again, historical references depends on your age, right? I mean, it doesn't seem that long ago if you were, you know, 20 years old, 22 years old, 25 years old, whatever, when Tennessee won a national title, right? I mean, because you, you, you remember that vividly, but it, 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 the historical references depends on your age. I mean, I was, I mean, I was in the sixth grade, but I but I remember the receivers Tennessee had running around in '85 and '86, 
you know, and that was a long time ago. I mean, you know, but that was when I was a kid. So that's my historical reference that way. Here's the other thing, too, with, with Carnell Tate. It's a wide receiver room at Ohio State that's produced a bunch of first-round draft picks the last two years. Yep. And, I mean, and, that's, and that's the history. For a guy like Carnell Tate, that's history. Yeah. I mean, that's what you're talking about. The history is what, the, what they did in the draft in April. That's that's yep. that's the Buckeye history right now. And, and so, like, so how does Tennessee get over the hump and start winning these battles? One, they've got to just win games. Like at the end of the day, being relevant, being in the college football playoff, getting to Atlanta and playing for an SEC title, all that stuff helps you get there. Tennessee, you know, a year ago, Tennessee was left for dead. The fact that they're even in on some of these players, whether it be through NIL or whatever, is a good sign, you know, they're not going to just automatically just start winning every battle against these top end teams. That's not going to happen. Like that's just not going to happen. So that, you know, can they, can they land Francis Malingoa? You know, I mean, they're going to get the last shot with him. I know he was predicted by the USC guy to USC. It's not surprising. He's a kid from American Samoa. You know, that's the one West coast team he's looking at a lot easier for his parents to get to LA than it is to get to Knoxville, Tennessee or Tuscaloosa, Alabama, or Florida, or Miami. So it, it just, you know, but that doesn't mean he's going there. Well, we'll see how the, you know, the next week plays out with the rest of his official visits. You know, what what happens with Sean Davion Bradley? What happens with Lucas Simmons? What happens with, you know, some of these other players that Tennessee is in on that they have a good shot at? And so, you know, what, what happens over the next month? Don't freak out sitting here on June 21st because – Tennessee can still land their fair share before, uh, let's say, August 5th. You know, I, that's kind of the date I'm starting right here is August 5th. What, what's Tennessee look like recruiting-wise when, when the calendar turns to August 5th? Like, I, we, we should – Kane, I'm putting you in charge of this. I want you – I want you – where they're at now and where they're at August 5th. You know, and if, if it's bad, then it's bad. And if it's good, then it's good. But, like, the point is, is, like, Carnell Tate shouldn't be a cause for panic. Now, Christian Conyer, if you're not able to land him, Kentucky took a huge swing this weekend with him. I think they left him with a lot to think about, you know. And so he'll come to town this weekend. Tennessee will get the last shot with him. We'll see what happens. Um, July 3rd is rapidly approaching. And if, if he were to go to Kentucky on July 3rd, then I think there's a little bit more cause for panic because that's a guy you've been in really, really good shape with, way so, more so than, than Carnell Tate. In my opinion, had Carnell Tate picked Tennessee, there would have been a 25% chance he would have signed with Tennessee because I think that Ohio State was never going to go away and they were going to have a big-time fall this fall, playing in the Big Ten with all the guys they got coming back, and there was going to be a certain allure there, and and I think they would have eventually, uh, you know, repitched their NIL stuff. Again, I think it would have been much harder to hold on to him Whereas I think if you land Christian Conyer, it's much more feasible you hold on to him all the way to the finish line. Rob, let me ask this. I mean, winning's important. No, there's no doubt about that. That helps Tennessee in, in recruiting. How much would ten, would it help Tennessee if they get guys drafted higher? And, and, I, and I, I mentioned this in the basketball context because how much has Rick Barnes' staff changed their recruiting profile in terms of guys they're recruiting because of the number of guys they've had drafted, the Grant Williams of the world, now Kennedy Chandler and, and these guys, how, how much does w- would Tennessee benefit in football recruiting 
if they were elevated into the first night of the of the NFL draft? I know they had six guys drafted this past year, but how much would that change their profile, in your opinion, particularly based on what you've seen out of Rick Barnes's program the last I mean, five? Six I mean, Hubbard, don't you think it goes hand in hand, though? I mean, it's I mean, if you're having guys drafted on on day one, a bunch of guys drafted on day two, you probably are winning you know nine ten games. I mean, how many guys at Georgia? have drafted this LSU, you know, two years ago when, when in the Joe Burrow draft, they had 13. Right. I, I, mean, I mean, I think it's big. I mean, I think, I, I mean, I, I think it's, I think the draft is big in both sports, but I also think that which, you know, if you do have eight guys drafted, you probably didn't go seven and five. Yeah. You'd I just, go. I mean, from a standpoint of having some guys drafted that weren't, that weren't five-star high school kids coming out of coming out like the Grant Williams. How much did having a guy nobody wanted develop, play, get drafted in the uh, first round, open the door for higher-ranked kids and put Tennessee in the blue blood conversation? In, in, basketball, in basketball, I think it's big. In basketball, I think it's big. I, I, I think you see it more often than football, just because it, it's it, especially you know it's hard to evaluate offensive linemen. We talk about that a lot. I mean, you see a lot of kids you know, come through that are, you know, an unheralded three-star that end up being Ramon Foster. Look at the kid at Chattanooga. Get Chattanooga's first yeah. round. Yeah. You know, Ramon, Ramon Foster was just an afterthought. And I know that's 20 years ago, but, I mean, I think you see that more often in football because there's just so many more players, and it's easier to miss kids. But to Hubbard's point, on the basketball side, I mean, I talk to kids all the time who – and it's because you know Tennessee stresses it when they're recruiting them when they're here on visits with before and after pictures of Admiral or, or Grant when you know when they got here as freshmen and when they left as and they gave up the Oreos <laughs> when they when they they look like statues when when, when they left and look like doughboys when they got here but the basketball kids it resonates I mean big time I mean because you you know a kid like Julian Phillips is like man. You know, he kind of, you know, he's way young, but he he's from the Carolinas when he, he's aware of Grant Williams. And he's like, man, that, that guy was a nobody in high school. Now, you know, he just, you know, was playing 20 minutes a game in the NBA finals. I think that resonates big time. I mean, I know whether you're talking to a basketball kid or a football kid, player development, you know, the opportunity to get to the next level is big. So I think when, when you can put up pictures of guys you know, shaking Roger Goodell's hand at the podium and in, in your, you know, in, in your complex or, or Adam Silver's hand in, in, in your basketball complex. I, I think that's really big. I mean, you know, kids talk about education, kids talk about, you know, relationships and fit. And, and I'm not saying that's not important. I mean, they're not going to go somewhere where that stuff isn't there, but they want to go somewhere where there's a track record of getting to the pros. I, I'll tell you right now, and that's going to be, it's, it's, to me, it's, much harder in football because you need a few years to kind of build that with talent. So I, th- I the most important player on Tennessee's team to me right now, because I just, I mean, I don't know how you feel, Hubs. I don't want Tennessee fans taking this wrong way. I just don't think Hendon Hooker is a first round quarterback. You know, I don't think um, he is. You know, do I, do I, you know, he's going to get drafted, no doubt about it. But I mean, is he a first round guy? To me, Tennessee's best chance for a first rounder is Darnell Wright. Yep. So can 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 Darnell Wright have a really good year? propel himself into a first-round pick, and then you're using that out there. Like, Tennessee needs a first-rounder. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, like, you look at all these other schools, Kentucky's having first-rounders, you know, uh, there's first-rounders all over the league. Tennessee needs one, 
And to me, Darnell Wright's the best chance for that. Yep. And I think a guy for, for skill guys, I mean, I know he wasn't drafted in the first round, but I think if Bayless Jones could make some noise as a rookie, yep. that might get a little attention. And Cedric Tillman needs, you know, you need to have another good year. Yeah. You know, we'd like to see his name called earlier than anybody anticipated. I don't think anybody sees him on the first day, obviously. But I, I just think at some point you you gotta hit you gotta hit on a guy that maybe wasn't the highest rated guy that ends up developing into one of those because I think that you gotta get that momentum going with the draft deal. Um because I think kids pay a close attention to that. I, I, I just think that's something that you know, facilities are great and player lounges and all that, but I, I think drafting you know, where you're going to be able to make money in a career, you know, can they develop you to get drafted to make money? And then what's the NIL money look like? I, I think those two things are more important than, than players, than brick and mortar is right now in, in recruiting. I, I just think that's catches everybody's attention more than anything well, else. Which goes back to, you know, my old, my old slogan the last month, you know, I mean, schools, Tennessee, I'm talking to you and anybody else too. Do you want toilets or do you want talent? Cause you know, your 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 donors better be given to the to the collectives if you want talent, because toilets don't win you championships, and they don't put butts in seats. Talent puts butts in seats. Well, I mean, and this is amazing. I mean, for all I mean, all of us grew up in, in East Tennessee watching Tennessee football. And I mean, Hubbard, correct uh, again. I go back to Hubbard as the, the historical reference. I mean, is Derek Barnett the last first round draft pick? Yes. And that's what what five years ago. It was, in, well, uh, it was about 20, by the time the next draft comes around to be what six? Yeah. Six years ago. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I mean, and that's amazing to think about. I mean, not that ten, you know, I mean Tennessee's been as good as most people, you know, for most of our lives and turning out draft picks. And to think that they've had one first round draft pick in the last six years come through this program is is a pretty good snapshot of, of you know where this program's been. Got a last thing on uh, Cornell Tate here in the wide receiver conversation. AP, real quick, reset the wide receiver board. Of course, Tennessee showed very, very well with junior college Malik Benson last week. Uh, Nathan Laycock is right up there. Who were some names on the wide receiver board? Just kind of reset that now with Cornell Tate out of the picture. Well, it's Malik Benson. It's it's Aiden Mizell, who, you know, again, that's likely a kid who's going to up at Florida, right. but you, you're still going to swing. I mean, it, 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 that's the other question I keep getting in my private messages. Well, you know, if they, they feel like it, it's hard, why do they, why do they recruit him then? Cause that's, that's what recruiting is. Like, you know, I mean, kids were, you know, how many times a kid's been coming here and then it was a lock, stock and barrel and then ended up elsewhere or vice versa. A kid was not coming here. And then all of a sudden ended up here like that. You know, you, you have to keep recruiting. Um, but Aid Mizell, Malik Benson, Nathan Laycock, you definitely have to put, you know, Cam Seldon on there. You know, Tennessee's kind of recruiting him as a combo, but, you know, he, he spends a ton of time, you know, talking to, you know, Tennessee's wide receiver room. And so, um, you know, outside of that, you know, they'll, they'll continue to recruit a guy like Demetrius Bell at Blackman, you know, who's committed to Michigan State. Uh, and, and there'll be other names that pop up. You know, I, I think that's the biggest thing is like, you know, a year ago, nobody would – Tennessee wasn't recruiting. Think about it. Like, just think about this. At this point a year ago, Tennessee was not recruiting Justin Williams. They were not recruiting Caleb Webb. They were not, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like James Pierce was a lowly three-star that Tennessee was having a few conversations with, you know, and, you know, so like, that was my, that was my comment. Will Stallings, I'm not saying he's going to be some five-star, but like somebody come to me bellyaching about Will Stallings. And I said, a year ago, you bellyached about James Pierce when he was a three-star, but by the end of the recruiting cycle, he was a five-star and you loved him. So like, I mean, like you can't ride that wave. Like that don't that wave just sinks. Okay, so um, so let it play out. 
see what happens. Yeah, on that note, Tennessee picked up its 11th commit for the class of 2023. It's fifth on the offensive side in Will Stallings. And Brent, he's a guy that came here and camped on June the 1st. Uh, he showed Tennessee enough in individual drills. Then, of course, with Jerry Mack that they offered a few days later. Got good size, almost six foot one. He's about 224 pounds. Um, he is a vertical runner. He is going to get north and south in a hurry. Uh, he plays for a very prestigious high school out at, uh, at Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas. Uh, the running back, Tennessee has at least one right now. They're going to look to add another one. Of course, Cam Selden has also pointed out many times in this conversation as well. But your thoughts on Will Stallings' uh, late interest and in pretty much offered and he committed just a couple of days later. Well, six one or six foot and a half, 225. Uh, I think ran four six uh, right, right around there at Tennessee's camp. I, I would say they don't have a guy like that in their running back room. Um, I think he's a little bit different than Justin you know, Williams Thomas. And um, from a size standpoint, I, I think he's different than the other guys that they have. So, um, you know, I, I think this is the guy that they liked in camp. I think Alex Golish liked him. I think Jerry Mack liked him. And, uh, you know, this is a guy that they felt really good with after he camped. They liked his mental makeup, felt like he was a good fit for where they are. And so uh, Cam Seldon's on that list and we'll see what else they, you know, they do. I mean, We've talked about it, Austin. Where's Deshaun Bishop? Is, is is that a go or a no go? Is Deshaun is Deshaun really interested? Is he not? I mean, that that's that feels like a middle school dance where the the two kind of walk about halfway to the middle of the floor, like they're going to dance a little bit, and then then they both kind of get a little turn the other way. Doesn't Leaving it? a lot of room for the Holy Spirit. Is this right when now? is this when Opie didn't know how to dance? Hubs? Is this when Opie didn't know how to dance? Maybe it's maybe it's my middle school dance does, experience. Does, I don't does, know. Does, does Andy got to get out on the floor with Helen Crump and show him how to do it, make him feel better? Um, how do you do, Mrs. Wiley? Uh, um, <laughs> maybe it's Ernest T with Ramona. I think um, I think that's that's a colored episode too. I, yeah, anything with Howard Sprague. It's out. But but don't but don't you feel like that they're sort of like like it feels like they're kind of recruiting and and, and going through it and then sometimes it feels Again. like they're not. It's not just Tennessee. I think Deshaun Bishop falls into that category a little bit as well, well right? But Bishop is in no rush. Yeah. So like and, and Tennessee is very comfortable letting him not be in any rush. You know, if Cam Seldon picks Tennessee, then I would say that Deshaun Bishop will end up somewhere else. If Cam Seldon does not pick Tennessee, then I would think that Tennessee maybe puts a little bit more heat on Deshaun Bishop. That's just kind of my take. But again, Seldon's also a combo guy, you know. And then what? Who else do they land at wide receiver? It may get to a point where they got to have Seldon at wide receiver, and they have to take another tailback. And you spoke with Cam Seldon, of course. It's up at BallQuest.com. We saw it on Sunday. Uh, what did you think about, I mean, he was one of six guys since he had up here officially. Um, it looked like he enjoyed his time, but you got to spend some one-on-one -on -one time with him. Your thoughts on Cam Seldon his weekend in Knoxville? Quiet kid, man. I mean, you know, yeah. I, I made a comment on the board, like, if you thought if you thought he was short with me, you should have heard his interview with Ryan Callahan at 24-7. Because, I mean, Ryan walked up as I was finishing, and so I just kind of stood there and I was loading it to YouTube. And I was like, either he just was, like, done – it once, but he was way better with me, and I, and I never saw people like oh, he was so it was like pulling teeth to get him to talk. I I actually thought he was not as bad as I you know my my phone conversations with him are always like two or three word answers. He's just not a talker. It's just not who he is. It's not the kind of kid he is. You know he's not about all that. So um, you know I, I think Tennessee is in a good spot exiting to visit. But again, 
testing being a good spot with a lot of guys exiting a visit doesn't mean you're getting them across the finish line whenever they uh, commit in, you know, in the weeks ahead. So, you know, Tennessee's got to continue to, to do a good job there. Is that Penn State, Virginia Tech, Tennessee, you think, or somebody I, else in this thing? I, I feel like it's Penn State, Maryland, and Tennessee. Okay. That's my take. So, ultimately end up maybe being Tennessee, Penn State, no offense to Maryland, but, I mean, is that kind of – or is Maryland close because he's close to D.C. that Maryland's going to be in it all the way to the finish line because of proximity? Yeah, I think, you know, they're two hours south of D.C. Um, you know, I mean, Maryland – Maryland's always kind of, you know, played the NIL game before the NIL game was the thing. So, like, I mean, like, I think you can't discount them. Um, you know, Lock, Locksley knows what he's doing up there. So, um, you know, I, I, again, I feel like they would be the third team out of that mix. But, yeah, so I would go Tennessee, Penn State, and, and then Maryland. But I don't think you can discount them. Stan Rommel, another guy that Tennessee was trying to put its best foot forward with this weekend. Um, just kind of hearing the clips from whenever you were speaking to him. Sounds like he had a great weekend up here, and that's a guy Tennessee like right now, Austin. Yeah, they do. And, and, and it's hard not to watch that video, Kaner, and feel like Tennessee's not the team to beat there. I mean, he was all smiles and, and clearly was going to wait a little longer to pull the trigger, and now it feels like sometime early July, you know, you can see him pulling the trigger. So, you know, I think that's one you have to – you know, feel, feel decent about. He'll go to Michigan State this weekend. You know, Michigan State's, you know, been a, a hotter team in recruiting. You know, can they can they land the kid from down south? You know, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I think ultimately, you know, that's, that's going to be, you know, a decision that the family have to make, you know, how far do they want to travel the games. Um, but they're a family of eight. So, like, getting a family of eight to and from, you know, a state 12 states over is a little more expensive than, you know, going someplace down South. I spoke with CJ Allen yesterday, said all the right things Said he, he's still big on the relationship with Brian John Marie and Tennessee's coaching staff likes the way they want to use them stuff that he's told me before uh, Tennessee shooting the shot there, Tennessee swinging as it should still feels that that one's going to be, uh, you know, a, a Georgia situation going away from Tennessee. Mm -hmm. But again, Tennessee will continue to swing spoke with Ricky Gibson as well. Uh, had a smile on his face the entire time I spoke with him on on Sunday, and I uh, really likes Willie Martinez, really likes Tim Banks, and really likes his defense. That's a that's an Arkansas Tennessee battle. He'll be at Arkansas this weekend, someone to pay attention to. And then, guys, another one that I was really impressed with seeing the other day, a good good looking kid, T.J. Searcy. Uh, Rodney Gardner likes him, and looks like uh, Tennessee uh, did its best with T.J. Searcy this weekend as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Tennessee will be a player for Searcy all the way through. Um, you know, when you, when you look at the other guys, I mean, Ricky Gibson is a guy, you know, if Tennessee doesn't, you know, end up with Christian Conyer, let's say he goes to Kentucky, like Ricky's a guy that will come a more of a priority. I just think guys like Jakeem Jackson and, and Jordan Matthews, two guys that will officially visit this coming weekend are players that, you know, they're just going to be hard. I mean, one kid lives in Baton Rouge. The other kid lives in, in the in the heart of Florida where, you know, Miami's a school that's a deep factor for him. Florida's swinging there. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just – I think those are going to be – you may land one or two of them, but I think it's going to be hard. I mean, you may put you in a position where you may not land anybody. Um, you know, Rock, he's different. I mean, like, he's been committed to Georgia for a while, um, but all the momentum seems like not Georgia to me. 
Like, you know what I mean? It's almost like Tyree West from a year ago. You know, I mean, it just seems odd. Like, Auburn's also a factor there. But, I mean, I just don't know how Auburn can be a real factor for anybody. I mean, like, you know, it's like Auburn's a factor for Stanton Ramil. But how are they really? Everything Stanton Ramil described was anti-Auburn. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like stable, you know, you know, guys that are going to be here. <laughs> you know, what, what about Auburn says stable right now? Nothing. I mean, so controversy. It's it's stable. It's it's the stability of controversy. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't. I really don't know why. I don't know why Auburn didn't pull the trigger back there. I mean, I, I get money, but it, it just. I mean, like it just. I mean, like you talk about just a lame duck year and and no ability to really get a good class, and that just feels like Auburn to me. It's got. I mean, it has to be brutal to be an assistant coach for Auburn right now and trying to recruit. And, and if you're and if you're a high a mid to high end prospect and you're going to Auburn, you're going there because you like the school and and, and, and and you like the players there. Your parents went there. Your parents went there. Like you're not you're you're you know you know when you make that decision, the guy that recruiting you is probably not going to be coaching. And for Tennessee at least they will have and everybody else one more weekend of official visitors. Not exactly sure on the number for this weekend, but it's going to be 10 plus. It's going to be a big group. Um, so wrapping up the month of June with official visitors, uh, you'll have a camp on Sunday, big time camp AP, and then uh, it's going to go dead for a while. And then you're kind of setting the table for what you hope will be a prosperous month. A lot of guys have already been announcing that they're going to be making their decisions late June, early July, throughout the month of July, and Tennessee's in a lot of those. So uh, I think the mindset brand is for Tennessee to – you know, finish off on the right foot with these official visitors coming up this weekend, a big group, and then see what the hall can be uh, when the dead period ensues. Yeah, I mean, I think July is going to tell, tell a lot. I mean, Austin said it earlier in the podcast, you know, early August, where's Tennessee's recruiting class? You know, if it's if it's gained and, and it's moving in the right direction, then I think everybody's, you know, feeling good. If Tennessee swings and misses on some guys in July that – they've been in a solid spot with and they don't get those guys, then the vibe on this class is going to have a different feel for it. You know, it's just, um, June's an interesting month. I mean, you know, because you have a lot of decisions to make. And we talked about this a little bit uh, on the Mailbag podcast. It's the balance of do I visit the guy, do I not visit the guy? You know, can you afford to wait till the fall and visit someone? Or if a kid wants to visit in June, you got to bring him in, Rob? I mean, that's you better have a really good feel for your relationship with the kid. You better have an understanding of, of the value of NIL and what that means to him. I mean, you got to recruit June like it's the middle of January in, in a lot of ways in, in the old school days. And I think that's an adjustment for a lot of coaches out there. Oh, I think it's huge. I mean, I, I mean, got just AP, Eric, you got what, what's the number like these two weeks in, in June, I I would be willing to bet, Hubbard, they have more official visitors last Saturday, last weekend, this coming weekend, than they had the last two weekends of January. Oh, no question. Which is unthinkable. Yeah, yeah. you know, twelve years ago. I mean, they may have more visitors this this last weekend in June than they have the the last weekend before the early signing date in December. December, yeah. which is which is crazy. And, Only fifty six. It is. And it's it's a huge new wrinkle for coaches, for recruiting, you know, support staff to deal with. I mean. I mean, you pull the trigger now. I mean, like you were saying, do you pull the trigger now or do you, you know, just because you don't know if a kid's going to decide July or do you wait and try to bring him in, you know, for the Florida game when you can show him, you know, 
all the pomp and circumstance, or do you bring him in in June just because you feel like it's the only time you're going to get him on well, campus? Th- there you go, Rob. And we, we've had this discussion, and I know we're up against it. But like, if kids, if you think kids are going to commit in June, July, or August, you have to bring them in in the summertime. Like, okay. if you don't, you're going to not get them, and that's just facts. Like, and and you know, nine out of ten times, you're not going to get that kid if you're trying to hold off till the season you know, you're likely not going to end up with that kid. You've got to, you've got to take your swing now with the kids that are other, that are wanting to wait till the fall, then I would wait till the fall. That's why I always said Jakeem Jackson made more sense to get, bring him in during the season if he's not coming until October 22nd. Cruton season in full effect. Tennessee trying to wrap things up this weekend with uh, several, several official visitors, a camp and uh, see what happens in the weeks that ensue. Tons of coverage, recruiting coverage of EvolveQuest.com from this past weekend, of course, throughout the week. Some 2024 and 25 articles coming up this week as well. And don't forget, EvolveQuest YouTube page. Subscribe and follow along with us there. So every time we post a video, you will see it. A podcast, you will see it first over on the YouTube page of EvolveQuest.com. Big shout out to uh, Smoky Mountain Organics for making this podcast possible. Visit one of the three locations in East Tennessee, including the one right here in Knoxville at 801 8 Kingston Bike across the street from the Trader's Joe's or buy online at SmokyMountainOrganics.com. For Awesome Price, Brent Hubs and Rob Lewis, I'm Eric Kane. Thanks so much for listening to the VolQuest Podcast. Have a great rest of your Tuesday, everybody. You've been listening to the VolQuest Podcast every week here on VolQuest.